Welcome to The Report Card, where we evaluate efforts to improve the lives of families, schools, and students. Free college is not a new idea, but it is an increasingly popular idea, especially among candidates for the Democratic Party nomination. President Obama, of course, proposed free community college in his 2014 State of the Union. In 2016, both Hillary Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders proposed versions of free college in their presidential campaigns. And 2020 Democratic candidates are doing the same. But back in 2017, Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York was the first to actually implement statewide free college at all public institutions, including four-year universities. So New York's program provides an illustrative example of how a free college program might work out and the challenges that could come along with it. So how has free college worked out in New York? Well, to talk about this, I brought two excellent guests in the studio. Elsa McGee is the Executive Vice President of New York State's Higher Education Services Corporation that administers the Excelsior program. And Christopher Bartow is VP of Government Relations and Community Affairs at LIM College, a private college in New York City. Elsa, Christopher, welcome to the report card. Thank you. Thank you. So first of all, just to set the stage, As New York was coming into this approach of Governor Cuomo's program to bring free college, can you just set the sort of the political preview, the the political lay of the land as we were coming into this announcement? Absolutely. In 2017, when the governor announced the Excelsior Scholarship, this was one of numerous college affordability initiatives that had been implemented under the governor's administration. And the Excelsior Scholarship was intended to provide middle-class families with relief for growing burdens of college costs. And it was to be rolled out over a three-year period and would allow families eventually up to $125,000 to be eligible to receive free tuition at a public two- or four-year college or university in our state. Okay, and it's called Excelsior, but it's not the only part of financial aid in New York State. So first of all, give me the sort of the what, the who, and the how of the Excelsior program. What exactly is its role in providing, and it's tuition-free college, right? Yes, it's tuition-free. Just if I could start first with the tuition assistance program, that is our largest program. We're second only to California in the size of our need-based premier program, TAP. And and that's a well-named program, but it goes by the acronym TAP for yes. Tuition Assistance Program. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yes. And that program provides for the neediest of students full tuition as well at a public university, but students can also use TAP to attend a private college in New York State. The Excelsior Scholarship Program expands free tuition to middle-class families. In the first year, 2017-18, it was for families making up to $100,000. Adjusted gross income, it went to 110 the second year, and we're in our starting our third year now where it's up to 125,000. So it really is to provide the same opportunities for middle class families as our tuition assistance program or TAP applies for the neediest of families. So let me interrupt here just to make sure that we understand what we're talking about because it often gets, I pitched in the introduction, "Ah, it's free college in New York, but it's not really free college in New York. It seems like there was TAP, which covered families with 
AGIs up to what? $80,000? It used the net estate net taxable okay. income of $80,000. 80000 yeah. which is about the equivalent of uh, roughly 100000 of gross income. Yeah. Okay. So not super poor, but again, in New York City, maybe not super rich either. So this is sort of like low-income people. Mm-hmm. But what the Excelsior program is trying to do is push that up into you know, the middle class. Yes. Okay. And then, Chris, TAP also worked for private colleges as well. That, that's that right? Yes. It's available for students going to private colleges in New York State. And one little qualifier is, you know, we say up to about $100,000 of gross income. But for folks whose incomes are 50000 and that's also net taxable. Yes. So 50000 net taxable income on up, they're really getting a minimal TAP award. They're getting $500. So it, the, the eligibility kind of drops off once you get to that level. Gotcha. So the, the lowest income students are the ones who could qualify for up to $5,165 at private colleges and similar amounts potentially mm-hmm. at public colleges as well. So it's a significant award. I will say, you know, as, as a longtime aid administrator, our aid community in New York would love to see that grant program increased. It has not gone up the maximum dollar considerably in over 20 years. So unlike the federal Pell Grant program, which is the primary federal grant that Congress approves cost of living or, or inflation-based increases annually, which has been the case for, for most of the past 15, 20 years, the, the TAP program, the dollar value has remained fairly static for the last 20 years. Right. So, so Pell, which gives federal grants to students, is yes. basically indexed to inflation. Yes. And TAP, which gives funds for New York State students right. from New York State, is not indexed to inflation. So no. there's just periodic increases. And so it doesn't keep up over time. Yeah. There's with... been two increases in 20 years. Okay. So how does Excelsior fit into the financial aid sort of spectrum? I don't know, the the soup that you want to call it in New York State. I mean, it's how does it complement the financial aid instruments? We just mentioned two of the big ones, right? Pell is for low-income folks. And that also is indexed up, like you said, TAP was, so that if you're very poor, you get the full Pell amount, and then you can it's means of, tested. Yeah, it'll yeah. means tested, so it'll go down over time. So. Elsa, can you lay out how TAP fits into these other programs? Yeah. So Excelsior is a last dollar program. So it will consider TAP. It would consider Pell before the Excelsior scholarship and certain other private scholarships. If a student is receiving that, that's not strictly for costs other than tuition would offset the amount, and then any remaining gap would be covered by the Excelsior scholarship. I know we talked about You know, for a student, for example, who's getting a TAP, a $500 TAP award, they tend not to be Pell eligible. If they did not receive any other financial aid, they would have, prior to Excelsior, just gotten a $500 award. But now what they will get is the remaining amount from the Excelsior scholarship to cover the cost of tuition. Right. So if their tuition is $5,000 and they got a partial TAP award previously, they would owe $4,500 after this $500 TAP award. So it it helped them. It gave them a 10%. Mm -hmm. Now, Excelsior makes them whole on the rest of that. So by being a last dollar program, all the other programs come in first. Mm -hmm. They're first dollar programs. Mm -hmm. And then the last 40 
500 of the 5,000 would be made whole. And this, again, starting this year, goes up to families with incomes of 125,000. correct. And that's the net taxable. Yeah. No, adjusted growth. That's adjusted growth. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah. Yep. That's hard that's to keep it straight federal, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's the cap that based on what the governor and the legislature approved, this is the, the, the threshold or the maximum income, which expands this to a significant number of families yeah. across the state. Of course, you know, there are some concerns that $125,000 in New York City given New York City cost of living is very different than somebody making $125,000 in upstate New York, yeah. let's say in, in Ithaca, Syracuse. Ithaca, New York. It's a different, Syracuse, yeah. or that $125,000 goes a lot further someplace. I lived like in Syracuse. That. It okay. goes a lot further I lived in, in Ithaca. So yes, that's true. So that's one of the criticisms is that, you know, it's, it's not adjusted based even on, on taxation rates because those of us who live in New York City pay local taxes in addition to state taxes as well. So just one more point on the last dollar nature of the Excelsior program is that New York, for good reason, has programs in place with Pell Grants to make tuition within the reach of folks who are poor. So so TAP will make give full awards to folks who are making around $25,000 or less. So, you know, very poor folks that need help. And for a number of folks, if you combine their TAP award and their Pell Grant, that already sort of covers college which is part of the fundamental understanding of what Excelsior adds, is it makes a lot of those people who are getting a partial award uh, whole up to tuition. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. And we find that after roughly 50,000, 60,000 AGI, families aren't receiving Pell Grants at that point. So Excelsior is really taking up everything post-TAP is the first dollar, and then Excelsior would be the last dollar. So... All things come with strings. So to get Excelsior, there's some strings attached. What do students have to do to qualify for this really pretty generous state financial aid? So in addition to this being, you know, something to help the middle class more affordably pay for college for their students, it also is an on-time completion program. So students must accumulate 30 credits each year towards their program of study so that they complete a two-year degree in two years and a four-year degree in four years. And the thought behind that is for the fact that you complete in four instead of five is a cost savings for families. We, you know, we see the astronomical national student loan debt levels are, I think, second only to credit cards at this point. That's right. And or mortgages. Mortgages, mortgage, yeah, and then credit, debt. yeah, it yeah, just credit, surpassed yeah, credit cards, right. yeah, so it took and a the horse race of yeah. credit, yeah. Yes. second to mortgages. Yes, yeah. so, you know, I've seen articles that talk about the savings for each year for a student ends up being around 50000 if you say 26000 20000 in a, a year that they may have been paying for tuition and room and board, plus 30000 of lost income right. as well. So there is a significant affordability that comes with being able to complete in two years and four years. So that was the motivation behind requiring students to get 30 over a 365-day period. So that makes a lot of sense from a cost control perspective and also who wants kids to go to school for five years. I mean, nobody's saying, let's design it to take longer. On the other hand, it's not exactly an easy requirement, right? So there's a couple of things that I think are worth pointing out and, and tell me if I've got them wrong. One is 30 credits is a 
pretty high burden for somebody going two semesters. It's certainly not impossible, but it seems above average. And then the other one is it has to be within a program of study. So bouncing around between majors early on in your BA career is not going to help you out in this instance. Is that right? Well, the biggest situation which students might be tripped up or wouldn't be able to take advantage of Excelsior is if they've transferred from one school to another. So, and, and, and in doing so, they're not pursuing the exact same program of study gotcha. that they were at the previous one or two or three institutions. And we know that a high percentage of students transfer from one college to another. At, at the institution I work, LIM College, 40% of the students that undergrads that we enroll are transfer students. So, and one of the barriers to participation in ETA, not ETA, in Excelsior, and also ETA at a private college, which is, stands for the Enhanced Tuition Award Program, it's the private college version of Excelsior, right. is that they have to have earned 30 credits that are applicable to their new program of study at the school that they've since transferred to. And very, very few students are able to do that. And so most transfer students, I'm going to say most, we're looking at the data, right? right? Most of them who've applied for Excelsior or the Enhanced Tuition Award Program are getting denied because they're not bringing at least 30 credits per year. And they can't have any interruptions in their study, too, because it has to have been continuous study. So if you earn an associate's degree and you took a year or a semester off, before you went on to get your bachelor's degree, even at the same institution, then you're not, it's not continuous study and you're not able to partake in these programs. So there's narrow confines that are constructed for good reasons, but they just bring on some wrinkles. And part of this is the transfer of credits, which, of course, if you change colleges, you're probably not going to bring every credit you need. And 30 hours in a year is a pretty, it's a pretty hefty load. Is that right? Most people don't understand what 30 credits looks like, so. Yeah. You know, it depends on the student. I think that we've, what we've seen is that at our state university system, you did have more students who are taking 30 credits. We also, though, know that CUNY, the City University of New York, has implemented some programs to encourage students to take and complete 30 credits as well so that their four-year completion rates are you know, you're seeing improvements in the four-year completion rates based on programs and incentives. And just recently, you know, I heard that the president of the state university at Oswego had provided some financial incentives for kids to complete in four, which she said has been the biggest driver of increases in the number of students taking 30 credits as well, just providing small incentives. And, you know, I think early evidence that we're seeing from the Excelsior Scholarship is that it is like changing the thought processes of students who can go full time and take the 30 credits to be able to do that. And we do offer other programs for students who really are not able to do that. Chris, you mentioned the ETA. And I don't want to go too far in part because usually we think, well, states care about public colleges and they don't finance private colleges. But that's really not the case in New York. It's, It's not the case in New York. And thankfully, the TAP program, the Tuition Assistance Program, has been a really important funding. You know, I mentioned it hasn't gone up in value much in the last 20 years, but still, it's been a really essential program in the financial aid landscape for 
access to private colleges in the state as well. And New York has the largest number of private colleges in the country and the largest private college enrollment in the United States, 222 private colleges. And it's more than half of the bachelor degrees in New York th- that are earned from colleges. Is are, that right? come from private colleges. They have a higher graduation or completion rate. And, and, you know, I know in some ways, you know, I understand the rationale here and it's putting pressure on the publics where there's been issues at times of students being able to get all the courses they need to be able to complete in four years. So, you know, it, it's creating an atmosphere, I think, that's positive pressure because we know, as, as Elsa said, time is money. The other part of the rationale is in order to get a bachelor's degree in New York State, you need 120 credits. That translates into 15 per semester over four years, eight semesters, or for an associate's degree, it's a minimum of 60 credits. So it makes sense. It's just, it's, you know, for the student, one who might need remediation. Because remediation doesn't doesn't count. It doesn't count. So if you're a first-year student coming in who needs to take some remedial courses to get up to speed, that's going to put you at a disadvantage because those credits, those equivalency credits, will not count towards your 30. You do have, and this is where the colleges are coming in and really, like Elsa's example with with Oswego and, and a lot of schools, they're doing a lot of advising. At my institution, we're doing a lot of advising to say, if you need the summer, utilize the summer to make sure you hit that 30 credit target to try to help students stay on track and not lose eligibility. Because once you don't hit the 30 credits in a given year, you cannot continue to participate in either of these programs. Right. So if you lose eligibility, you lose eligibility. It's not possible to get back on track. For failure to get the 30 credits, right. correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any other requirements other than, than just keeping a full load and staying and completing? Yeah. Both Excelsior and the Enhanced Tuition Awards Program do have a requirement that the student reside in New York State for the number of years they received awards after completing their education. So they can leave the state to attend graduate school or doctoral program, and but then they would need to return. If they do not, the loan, it turns into a zero interest loan, but that would be prorated for if they were required to stay three years and they stayed one and a half, then they would have to repay half of the award amounts that they receive. And I can see some people saying, oh, well, that seems unfair. To me, that seems incredibly Generous and forgiving, right? We'll pay for you, and then surprise, surprise. We want we don't want you to we move to, to Jersey. Re- we, well, want we want you to, you to yes. Right. You're, we have an educated workforce. That's if right. they stay yes. in New York, York dollars paid for that education and we'll to work and to work in New York as well, and I to think, work in New York. Yeah, yeah. so that I think it's an important additional requirement. And if you're working, but we certainly hope that you're going to be working yeah. as a, someone who completes a degree is going to be gamefully employed. But they've got to do so in New York unless yeah, there are provisions that if there's certain hardships, so exceptional con- yes, situations yes, yeah. where it could be forgiven for right. certain students. Yeah. So, Elsa, putting together one of these programs sounds complicated. How was the task of rolling out this program and how did it differ from the other programs that you all administer? 
We had previously implemented, I believe, six programs prior to the Excelsior Scholarship, but the Excelsior Scholarship, the level of interest, I think, surpassed anything that we had seen before. Just when we did launch the program, within minutes, we had applications that were submitted. The first day in 24 hours, we had over 11,000 applications submitted. For the fall application period, we had a total of 95,000 applications that were submitted. And so then, for the whole fall, you had 95 and 90. you got about more than 10% of that in the first day? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And just to remind folks, when you say we, you're talking about New York State's Higher Education Services Corporation. That's correct. So yeah. this is sort of your business yeah. is administrating these programs. But the other thing that I thought I heard earlier was that this is the first program that's a last dollar program. Yes. So what complications did that introduce as, you know, the person in charge of trying to make this work? So with this program, we did find uh, that the day that it launched, within minutes, we had multiple applications come in. Within 24 hours, we had over 11,000 applications come in for the program. And then over the course of the fall application period, which was about 45 days, we had 95,000 applications. So the level of interest was beyond what we had expected. However, we had done a soft launch of the program 24 hours before the live launch. Okay. So a trial run. Yes. Okay. Yes. With a number of students and the feedback that we received the way the application was originally designed was that it was extremely difficult for them to complete, and it was taking them 45 minutes to an hour to get through the application. With that information, we, at 5 o'clock that evening, the day before the launch, worked with our Information Technology Services Office, and they worked overnight to revamp that program and simplify the application. But what that meant now was that the information we were not getting from students directly in the application, we had to get from the colleges. So, And Christopher was one of the uh, individuals who knows what that entails. So what does that entail? Yeah, sure. I mean, as someone who's active in the New York State Financial Aid Administrators Association and talking to a lot of my colleagues who on their respective campuses had to deal with this additional reporting requirements for Excelsior for the Enhanced Tuition Award Program, it meant having to go and look at any prior credits that the student had from other institutions. You know, it was a significant new reporting burden for colleges and managing the communication with students and with families. There's a lot of things that were out there about, you know, take advantage of this new opportunity, but having to really help decipher for folks who are going to be the eligible students, what were they going to have to do in the, in the application process to jump through the hoops of filing, you know, the free application for federal student aid first, filing the FAFSA filing the application for the tuition assistance program, the TAP application, and then submitting, you know, as Elsa said, the respective Excelsior or ETA application. So all those steps are required. And then the college had to report on any prior credits that they had both at that particular, you know, at at the home institution where they are and any previous institutions. So the rub on all this (laughs) is that The top line is we're going to make college affordable for everyone. And that was the intent of the program. 
but you have eligibility rules, again, for good reasons. It's just hard to gather all that information. And a lot of folks are going to find out, oh, you're not really eligible for this. That's true. The way it is. So what is the outcomes that we've been seeing on terms of eligibility? I mean, how many folks are eligible and how many folks that are applying are not getting the help that they were hoping? So in the, in the first year, when we had the 95,000 applications, what we found were 46,000 were actually eligible for the award. So right at half. Right about half, okay. yes. About half of them, though, because they were receiving high TAP awards, already had their tuitions covered between the New York State Tuition Assistance Program TAP and the federal, their federal Pell Grant if they so, were receiving them. So their tuition was less than the sum of the Pell Grant that yes. the Fed sent yes. and the yes. TAP Grant that New York State already sent. Correct. So the, these are the folks who are the poorest and they are already covered. Yes. They may have been fully covered by just TAP or a combination of TAP and the federal Pell Grant. And so therefore, what we ended the year with over 20,000 receiving actual payments totaling nearly $70 million for the first year of the, of the program. The budget had anticipated that 22000 so it was very close to what was projected for that first year. And what we're seeing for the second year is that there's an uptick in that number that now we have about 25000 who are receiving payments for Excelsior scholarships and at almost $100 million. So that's $100 million, but let's put that in perspective. How much does New York State spend on financial aid? And not is spent in New York State, mm-hmm. but does the state actually spend? I don't know. The TAP program is probably the biggest yep, program. TAP. So how do those compare? Yeah. So TAP awards about $900 million for tuition awards to colleges on behalf of eligible students. And in total, with all of our grants and scholarships, we're at over $1 billion that's awarded to students to offset their cost of college. So sort of the Excelsior program, which was the the lion's share of the sort of free colleges coming to New York State, is a marginal, and and it's sizable, don't get me wrong, but it's nonetheless a, a marginal increase on stuff New York was already doing. It's not sort of created out of thin air, right? I mean, it builds on top of a pretty robust Yes, uh, Yes, absolutely. It really just expands, as we say, that free tuition for students who were not at the neediest level, but also where the families are still struggling to be able to pay. Now, Chris, let me ask you about these developments from the private college perspective. There seems like there are more advantages to state institutions, which I'm not terribly surprised about. How do the folks in the private college community feel about these developments? A lot of different feelings. I mean, I will say that this has been a major disruptor amongst the private college community in the sense that, one, private colleges had to consider whether they were going to participate in the enhanced tuition award program because it required a commitment, you know, they had to agree to, and and LIM College is participating, had to agree to freeze tuition for any student who's receiving ETA for as long as they continue to receive the award. They have to match dollar for dollar the ETA award. So that is a requirement that private colleges have that 
is different than the way the Excelsior program is they structured. They have to match it. That means That's that right. basically the institution has to double the state's investment in private financial aid. That's right. Wow. Yeah, that was one of the, the conditions to receive those ETA funds. And those ETA funds are maxed at 3000 per year per student. So a student can get up to $6,000 in additional aid, but half of that has to come from the college and the other half is coming from the state. Unless they're getting a TAP award, TAP would offset some of that. And then they'll, the school and the state splits the difference up to $6,000. The thing that I think has been a disruptor is, is a couple things. One, you're seeing increased application rates to the SUNYs and the CUNYs, the publics, and increased enrollment. And I don't know that we can say that all of that's attributable to this new program. So it's created a, a much greater consciousness, and more and more people are coming to us in private colleges saying, show us why this investment is worth it if I have an option where I could go someplace else in the state for free. And then some of the critics who are really looking at this are wondering whether or not there's going to be a shift, that there's more middle-income families that are going to apply to SUNY flagship schools, the CUNY four-year colleges, and that might displace. There's only so many seats that they've got. So if their application rates are higher and more middle-income students who potentially are higher achievers are applying in greater and greater numbers, is there going to be a shift? Are we going to see that where there's going to be some displacement that lower income students might experience? And so this is going to be really interesting to follow over the next five, 10 years to see how this plays out in enrollment across the state. I will also say the overwhelming majority of private colleges, more than 80% chose not to participate in the Enhanced Tuition Award program because they did not like the strings that came, the strings attached to to participation. They want to be able to manage their financial aid programs themselves and not have to freeze tuition, not have to provide a match. So they're, they're doing it on their own. And some of them have marketed awards that will give you a guaranteed award that doesn't require that you meet residency requirements. We've got an award that is better than the ETA program. So right. they're trying to counter. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that the requirements are on the hook for $3,000 a year. At right. most, while for a particular student, that may be a lot of money, that's not going to make or break most institutions. So to have to really change the way you work, to freeze tuition for some students and not others, because it's on the student level, right? It's on that the student level. Tuition does seem to be quite a burden. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, we do want to control the price of college. I get that. You make things free. You do attract more folks. And so there certainly is the possibility that some folks that might have been helped by SUNY before the price went down, all of a sudden are just not going to make access because while it pays for tuition, it doesn't guarantee admission in not any respect, right? No. no. Has there been any concomitant expansion of seats or that's up to the legislature? The university systems, the chancellors at the university systems, when questioned about the ability to take on the increased enrollment, seemed right. to believe that within the capacities that they had, they were able to do that. And so far, we've seen no indication that that's not the case. But I know it's something that the governor and legislature would continue to look at as well. 
And just to add that the tuition freeze does apply to the public universities as well. So, and it's mandatory for them, whereas it's optional for the private colleges to opt into the enhanced tuition awards. So there's been a lot of positive sort of coverage and reaction that I've read. What are folks that bring a more critical view onto this? What are they worried about? As Christopher pointed out, that the $125,000 threshold is, in some regions of the state, not deemed to be middle class. So in Long Island, New York City, parts of Westchester County, they believe that there should be some kind of indexing for families in those regions. We also know that there have been criticisms about the 30 credit requirement. But again, for Excelsior, it is an on-time completion program. And New York State really does, as you say, we have a very robust tuition assistance program that does not have that requirement that students can also receive. We have other scholarships that are not income-based at all as well depending on what students are pursuing in college that they can receive. So this really is designed for you to get 30 credits, but it also does provide for hardships, medical hardships. If you had to reduce classes because you were ill as a student or you had a death in the family, students can still receive the award without having accumulated the 30 credits due to such types of hardships. As far as the students who benefit from this, You know, it really is sort of a tricky question. On the one hand, the very low-income students with Pell plus TAP have been sort of covered for a long time, but that only goes a little ways up the income distribution. Mm -hmm. So this certainly covers more middle-income folks. But again, as we noted before, Christopher, as we were talking about, you know, just the cost of living in New York versus Utica or Schenectady, New York, is sure. is really different. I mean, just the real estate costs alone are a vast difference. How loud is the outcry for folks who are saying this actually doesn't fit the realities on the ground of who needs help? There are a lot of folks who are raising that concern because it's not providing any new or additional dollars for the neediest students. So, and it, so it doesn't address a student who is going even to a public institution who doesn't have enough funds to pay for food who doesn't have you know it's it's it doesn't touch anything that's outside of tuition it doesn't touch mandatory fees living expenses and so there there are concerns and i i've seen it i've been an aid administrator for 25 years at public and private institutions and you had a discussion earlier today about food insecurity. It's a growing concern on college campuses. I've seen it. Campuses are trying to do more with food pantries, et cetera. So it's a reality that there are students who are struggling with, you know, many expenses, childcare expenses or students right. who have children. You name it. I mean, these are realities that, you know, these programs, you know, it's great that that there's something that the state is doing to help the 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 middle class. But the neediest students who are in this boat who find that even Pell and Tap is not enough to meet their other expenses associated with being in college and to try to help ensure that they retain 
and that they actually make it to the finish line to graduate and to get a degree. There's a lot of hurdles that they're facing potentially. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. And oftentimes we talk about tuition and fees and we just kind of put those together. But fees in New York are sort of no joke, right? These are thousands of dollars and they're not covered by this, which should be noted along all those other things that you mentioned. So Christopher, you're a member of the New York State Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm wondering about those peers. What do they think New York's financial aid system needs after Excelsior has been put into place? Sure. We just did a a recent survey of our members and asked them to identify the top three recommendations for improvements to the state aid programs. The number one recommendation that they had was to increase funding in the tuition assistance program, to expand access to TAP, both in terms of the maximum dollar amount and the maximum income of families that could access the the program. And so TAP is the giant in the room, right? It's the $900 million versus the $100 million program. That's right. So Excelsior is getting a lot of press, but TAP's still doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. Okay. And their second recommendation was to actually advocate for the elimination of Excelsior and the Enhanced Tuition Award Program and to use those funds to increase those tuition assistance awards to expand that program. That program has been around for 45 years in New York State. It's respected as one of the strongest state grant programs there are requirements that you're full-time. There are standards of academic progress that are significant. So it TAP does help to promote completion, not to the same extent that Excelsior and ETA do, but aid administrators and many college administrators feel that it's a tried-and-true program, and they'd like to see it expanded as opposed to all of the restrictions, the fine print, and the, the, the limitations, ways in which somebody could trip up and lose eligibility under Excelsior and ETA. That's what they said. They also, you know, like simplification and they'd love to see, and we've seen this on the federal level, there's been a push to simplify the FAFSA. Oh, yeah. They would love to see the FAFSA be the singular application that also leads to state aid and not to have to require students to jump through three different application hoops where we know that there's a drop-off at each one of those stages, lower participation level when you've got to go through a number of steps like that. Sure. But of course, if they filled out the FAFSA and had to qualify for Excelsior, that would still leave the colleges themselves to figure out these qualifications by credits and so forth. It's true. So there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done, but I think they would like to see as, as advocates for students and advocates for access the financial aid community would like to see the process simplified because we know how difficult it is to ensure that somebody gets through each one of those steps. It is very interesting. I find it very interesting that Excelsior, on the one hand, is very generous and on the other hand, is very demanding. It has some very demanding requirements and it might not be the kind of makeup that one might expect from a free college program, which is just sort of how it's been billed, perhaps lazily. And news stories and so forth. I'll ask you both because there's a number of states out there that are toying with this idea. There's a number of candidates who'd like to bring it nationwide. What did you learn in New York State that everyone else should know as they consider the possibilities for 
moving towards a free college or greatly expanding zero tuition programs? I'm not sure if this directly answers the question, but I think one of the things that we see within our agency, you know, administering the tuition assistance program is that you do have many times students are exhausting their eligibility. So the the fact is that for TAP, you're eligible for eight payments. For Excelsior, you're eligible for eight payments. But for TAP, you can get your eight payments and not complete because if you take 12 credits and you complete 12 credits, it takes you five years. So in your last year, you're not getting TAP. With Excelsior, the goal is to make sure that you get an award for every year until you complete your degree. And so I think that is something that's often overlooked. It's eight and eight. And yet you put someone in a situation where a student may struggle to pay for that last year. If they're Pell eligible, they would only get Pell. They would not get the New York State Tuition Assistance Program Award. If they're not Pell eligible, they're not getting TAP either. So they really have none of those staples for a fifth year or a sixth year to complete their degree. So that really was one of the key components that makes the Excelsior Scholarship what it is. And it also sort of makes it work, right? You can criticize it for, oh, there's these eligibility requirements that are arduous. Or you can say, yeah, but if you get Excelsior, you also get a degree. If you go all the way, we're going to make sure that you complete, which is a pretty valuable guarantee. Yes, it is. Chris, any lessons for folks who are thinking? Sure. I would say, you know, I think in higher education, we have, and we talk about it a lot, an issue of an outcomes crisis and, and how many students go to school that don't finish, how much public taxpayer dollars goes into institutions of higher ed that doesn't lead to completion. And so I think one of the lessons, you know, and Elsa touched on it, that this design, I, I think there is a lot that's positive there. What I've learned, and I think that I'm hearing from the the aid community and from other college administrators, is let's make it a little bit more of a partnership between the colleges and the state and the students. We want to incentivize them to finish. We do. That's the ultimate goal here. But if the campuses had the ability to have a little bit more flexibility in exercising professional judgment to determine if there were extenuating circumstances in partnership with the state, I think it would be an even bigger win-win situation for New York and for other states that are thinking about this. I don't think there's a problem in setting a high bar or high level of expectation, but also make it reasonable and understand that without colleges, Nobody's going to get a degree. So we really do have to work with each other. And I think there's a tremendous amount of professionalism and integrity that most folks exercise in working with students. So I think if, if we had the ability to say, yeah, we know that there's a situation here where remediation, for example, is important for the student and we're going to be able to create a pathway for them to do this and still be on time or whatever the circumstances might be that are significant enough that might allow for some flexibility, again, I think it would be an even bigger win for, for the state well, I think and for our are, students. Well, I think folks are going to be watching New York and seeing <laughs> how this plays out. So this is early days yet for seeing how 
Excelsior plays out. Elsa, Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to The Report Card. And thank you to Christopher Bartow and Elsa McGee for coming on the podcast. Of course, this episode wouldn't be possible without the help of our excellent producers. That includes Cody Christensen, Hannah Warren, Sophia Gallo, Tyler Hoover, and Gage Hurley of Liquid Media. Never miss an episode of The Report Card again. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any thoughts or topic suggestions, drop us a line at ed.podcast at AEI.org. Until the next episode, I'm Nat Malkus. <laughs>